welcome to Inspiration from the Couch. I'm Avery. I'm Jamie. And I'm Lucy. We are psychologists and moms. Join us as we discuss what we've figured out, what we've yet to figure out, and what there's just no figuring out. It's sure to be fun, and you may be inspired along the way. Welcome, everyone. Today, we are continuing on with our series on Being of Power, where we take a deep dive into Baron Baptiste's book. And again, you don't have to have read the book to get stuff out of this podcast. It's a great book. But again, feel free to follow along and just listen to us. And that's good enough, too. So today's topic is we're getting naked. Um, it's called Embrace. <laughs> we're not thank, actually thank naked. Thank for only on audio. <laughs> <laughs> we are. It's called, a, it's this principle, Embrace Naked Reality, practice number seven. So what does that mean to you all? Or would you rather me sort of define it? Yes, I'm getting a big nod from Avery. So embracing <laughs> the naked reality refers to challenging the meaning making that we continuously do. So if you think about like our experiences that we have on a day to day basis, they don't really have an emotional charge to them. It's the meaning or the stories that we give to these events or the interactions that we have that create that emotional charge. And so that's what we're talking about with embracing naked reality, seeing things for what they are versus all of the stuff that we add on top of those experiences. So I thought maybe we could start out by sharing some recent examples about when we've added on to an experience or when we've created a story around our experience and then how that affected us and how it might have affected those others around us. And I'm, I'm happy to start. So my example was... Last weekend, I had a lot going on. Not that I don't ever have a lot going on, but I was really overwhelmed with a bunch of work tasks that I had coming up for this past week, plus all of the household tasks that I felt really needed to be completed in a day. So we always have... I don't know about the two of you, but we always have really massive amounts of laundry. Like It surprises me how much laundry we accumulate in our home. And so laundry day a lot of times is on Sunday. And I usually sort of take the ownership of that. So Robert and the kids were enjoying their Sunday. They were lying around, playing games, taking naps, talking to friends on the phone. And I'm there hauling laundry up and down the stairs, up and down, frantically working on my work tasks in between, like doing that kind of stuff and getting more and more resentful. Okay. Robert and the kids weren't doing anything wrong, but the story that I made up based off of my interpretations of their actions was not that pleasant. So in my mind, I had this constant commentary, running commentary, saying things to myself like, well, please feel free to let me do everything today because I have so much free time, right? I'm so glad I'm the housekeeper around here. I'm so glad I'm the only one that notices all of these things. Why do they get the full relaxing weekend experience? Whereas my week always tends to start on a Sunday. So you can see all of this stuff, like it's building up and up and up and up. And it caused me to be really distant and really irritable. With and them. no wonder why you felt resentful too. Yeah. Like resentment makes perfect sense based yes. on that commentary. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 Follows really nicely. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So how about for the two of you? What are some recent examples in which you've created some story around an experience that you were having? So I was doing something and I was running late to pick up Wesley. And 
I had misjudged. There were a lot of things that were going on that were new situations for me to have to deal with. Like I misjudged the time and then misjudged traffic. And so I was basically just really feeling awful that I'd made all these mistakes. And now that she was going to be late, not only was was I going to be late to pick her up, but she was going to be late to her next thing. And then I was gonna be late to the next. And so I was kind of really spiraling in the like, how could I do this? Why didn't I plan better? Why didn't I do this better? I should have done this. She's gonna be waiting. I mean, like really beating myself up about it and kind of spun myself into this like tizzy. And I realized that I was getting so involved in the blame and the shame on myself that I couldn't even really like do what I needed to do which was to call her school and let her know I was going to be late and then apologize to her and apologize to her in a really open way versus like over explaining everything that had been going on. And I'll tell you like how this story ends is that I was super honest with Wesley. I was like, this is what happened. And she looked at me and she said, of course, that's what happened. Like, that's okay. Like, of course these things happen. And it was like, oh, and I realized that if I had shared all of my story with her, it would have made it impossible for her to really give me grace. Like we've been talking about of just like, yeah, that, that that happens. I think it was a way for me to kind of put myself back in the moment with her of mm-hmm. like, okay, like I can be authentic with you. This is what's really going on. You can say you really, you really understand and you accept yeah. my apology. We can move on. But yeah, I was caught in that story. Yeah. yeah. How about for you, Lucy? Tell myself all kinds of stories. <laughs> so like, which one are we going to pick? But I think a recent example, I've been thinking about moving office spaces. I'm kind of tired of being alone. And then I have a worm infestation in my office, which is really <laughs> getting under my skin. Anyway, so I was, I was talking with some friends and colleagues about moving into office and it, it didn't work out one of these things. And I felt so, I felt sad and disappointed, but I think the stories that I went to were like, they don't want to be with me. Like no one wants to office with me. And then kind of the sense of like, what have I done the past decade? I haven't made any relationships because I have no one to office with. You know, it was kind of this whole Mm -hmm. like snowball effect that happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just makes the, like, if I just sat with the initial, like, oh, this stinks. Right. But then I, there were these layers that I like quickly added on top. Yeah. 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 The three of us then being very much in our heads, very mm-hmm. much in our heads. So how do we differentiate then between the stories that we add on and then the naked reality of the the situation? And I like the suggestions that the questions basically that Baron has us reflect on. And he says in the book, an empowering question in any challenging situation would be, can you see the difference between what actually happened the naked reality and the drama you created around that, that's giving it weight and charge. And then even more so after you recognize it, are you willing to drop those stories, knowing that layering on all that meaning and interpretation is blocking your natural power and flow? So basically, in other words, seeing, you know, that embracing naked reality is seeing the difference, right, between what actually is, and then all of the extra crap that we add on to it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, so this is, Fascinating. So, you know, I was just on this retreat in Maine for a week. And actually, one of the activities did was just around this. So we started, we drew a line down the middle of the page. On the left column, we wrote facts. So like, aka, 100 people agree on it, right? This is something that'll hold up in a court of law. On the other side, we had interpretation. So stories, what I make, Mm. what I make it mean, my justifications, whatever we might have. And we each had to like come up with one of the stories and put the facts on the left side and the interpretations on the right, right? And the one I did, and this was actually really interesting to me. So a thread in my life for several years now have been that my kids playing technology and it like grates under my skin. Like they love their iPad. That's all they want to do. And it really kind of gets under my skin. Yeah. And all of a sudden it became very clear to me. So my fact was my kids like to play technology. 
Like, that was it I had on that column. Okay, now listen to these interpretations. Okay, so my kids are are going to be fucked socially, right? Um, they're not going to know how to interact with the world. No pressure. So, yeah, my kids are focused on the wrong things, right? They're detached. They're disengaged. I'm an awful parent. I should be making them do something different. I should have a better system, right? I'm doing something wrong. It's all my fault. I haven't been present enough, right? There's a right way and a wrong way. I'm doing it all the wrong way. My kids need more of me. They need less of me, right? They never want to do anything. I mean, it was just like this whole <laughs> wow. like long thing. And I'm like, no wonder why I feel so like crummy when it comes up because yeah. I have this running commentary of all of these stories that really get under my skin mm -hmm. and really create a lot of distress. And it was so interesting. All of us in the group, like if you had seen the columns, mm -hmm. like the fat column was super short and the story <laughs> column was like long. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I see this come a lot up a lot with patients too. And I'll even use like an exercise. Like if I was a reporter on the scene, like just the facts, ma'am, like what would I report? And usually it's that very short column of like, right now you have a homework assignment due. Like you are working on homework. It's very short. My right? friend did not respond to my text. My friend did not respond to my text. My boss did not respond to my email. Right. Like they're just they're like, this is just the facts. And then the other stuff, we usually call that like thoughts. Right. But that other story, that's usually where the stress is. And another way I like to think about it is like pain, which is unavoidable and suffering, especially when things are painful, like a breakup or a loss. There can be pain around the facts. But the suffering, the stories really can make it so much bigger. Yeah. And I think that's the way that it operates for myself as well. Like, you know, the facts of the situation with what happened last weekend, you know, Robert's taking a nap. Max is playing a game. Grace is on the phone and I'm doing laundry. And yet I created into all of these other things mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, like my family is so lazy and unappreciative and I do all this work all the time, which is completely inaccurate because they help out, you know, a ton. But, you know, in that moment, like I just, I don't ever have time for me, you know, just all of these mm -hmm. different sorts of stories. I think it's really interesting, like how much in our heads that we get mm -hmm. when we're in this place, when we're not really actually looking at the facts or the naked reality of the situation. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing, at least what strikes me as a potential with your story, Jamie, is you missed like maybe mm. what was going on for you. Because yeah. maybe what was going on for you is I'm tired and I really want to rest. Yes. Oh, so maybe I like put the laundry and the work right. down and right. I like go climb into bed and like right. take a nap or I lie the fuck down. Right. I do yeah. something else. But like we miss all of mm -hmm. that, like the yeah. truth of where we are. Right. We miss it or I miss it because then it comes on to, well, if I don't get this done today, like then it's going to carry over into the Another week story. and I'm going to be even more overwhelmed and I don't have time and I've got to do this right now. So, yes, like all kinds of stories around that. And then, shifter. Yeah. And then you just dismiss like what it is that I actually need or I dismiss what I actually needed in that case was to actually take a break because I was so overwhelmed. So something else that Baron talks about is how we live from our point of view. We live our experiences from our point of view. And what he means by this, like by our own individual point of view, is that we have a tendency to experience it as my point of view is the truth. That's right. <laughs> it's the actual truth versus understanding that actually we're all wearing these lenses that filter our experience that actually determines what we see. And so all the interpretations that we make 
are created through these lenses. And so it's a practice to try to take off these filters, take off these lenses. So that way we can kind of come to more of a neutral sort of stance, meaning that we're not having things block our vision or limiting what we see. So for you all, what's it feel like for you when you're living with like your certain lens versus when you're able to take it off? What's that like? So one experience I've had recently in, with my daughter and with my husband is that we'll have some sort of conflict and they'll say, well, I'll just try to do better, which is actually making me emotional just saying it right now. Cause I'm like, ah, what that lets me know is that the impression I've given them is they just need to try harder. They need to do better. And what I know about my husband and my daughter is that they try so hard and they try to do so well. And that it's really the story I've told myself is like, hey, you could try so much harder and you could do so much better and you're not, you're falling short. That's what you tell yourself. That's what I tell and, and them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, just, and I'm like tearing up just saying that, but like it's, I say that to myself, I've clearly communicated that to them. And now everybody's just white knuckling it all the time. And like, what an awful way to live. And so what I've tried to say to them, to myself is, you know, we don't need to try harder. I think we just need to be kinder. I could be a lot kinder. We could still miss. I could still be late to pick you up every day. But if I can show up and say, ah, oh, I am so sorry. I real and just sit with it or, you know, whatever, whatever. I'm upset that they need to try harder, do better, that we could just come in more kindness and not have to do any more or better or white knuckle it any tighter. But that's something I've just noticed a lot this last week is that, gosh, my expectations for myself are so high and I'm like, do better, try harder. And that's clearly just like, you know, contagious around my little household. And that's something we're really trying to do is like, we don't need to try harder or do better. We just need to be kinder. But I think to your point, Lucy, yeah, to ourselves too. Yeah. I think like what came up for me when you asked the question too, is I think there are probably so many lenses I wear that I don't even know that I have on. Mm -hmm. Right. So like this idea that you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Right. And how do we just keep opening up and like trying to be more and more aware, but like all these biases and perceptions and beliefs and ways of being I have that I don't even know are layered. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it actually took me hearing from them this try harder, do better to realize that my lens is that there's an amount of effort that you have available and you're not using all of it. It's like, oh, I think we're actually trying the hardest and doing our best most of the time. But I, I didn't know that lens existed until I kind of heard that. Yes, I think there's some big blind spots. Yeah. Yeah. With what happened last weekend, probably there's been for me like judgment about how much capacity I think people should have. Like one for myself, but also for other individuals. You know? a sticky word, right? Should. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You can hear like that, that judgment piece in there. Like I think, oh, you know, you've been relaxing, you know, for so many hours today, you should have more capacity to help out or to do this or that. And then, you know, if you don't, then that means X about you. So again, like just all of those sort of judgmental stories that come up. Another thing that Baron talks about is, is being able to drop the stories, just being able to let those go. And so one of the ways that he encourages people to do this is actually when you notice when you're trying to embrace this idea of naked reality, I mean, one of the things that you need to do is really pause and get present in your body, breathe and ask yourself, what is actually going on here? What are the plain facts? So similar to what you're you're saying that you do with your clients, Avery, just what is the the plain facts, the nitty gritty? So in that way, you can be with your experience as it is, and then 
kind of come from a place of choice and how you relate to it versus again, that automatic filter that you're, that you're wearing. So what's a story that you all have been able to successfully drop? Or if you have an example from your clients that you've helped them drop, I can go first. I've had clients in the past who've struggled with social anxiety really terribly. And they had a lot of stories about their ability to connect with people and to socialize and and had a lot of stories about like, well, I'm just not really good at conversation. or I'm not really good around groups of people. Or I just don't think I can connect well with other individuals. Whereas when they're sitting there in front of me, like some of my folks with social anxiety are actually just the loveliest individuals mm-hmm. that I ever interact with who are actually very, very skilled. Yep. And uh-huh. so that's one of the things that I've been able to help some clients successfully drop is this story that they're no good in social interactions, mm-hmm. or people wouldn't want to be around them or you name it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about for you all? Gosh, and I don't think I've thought of them as stories, but definitely in the work you know, I do with people with eating disorders, there's all, we talk about it sometimes in terms of like rules, right? Mm-hmm. All of the eating disorder rules, which in many ways are, are stories, right? Mm-hmm. Like I should eat these foods and not eat that foods, or I am better if I eat less than everyone else, whatever it may be. And those are all stories that we identify and work on dropping and kind of restructuring. Mm-hmm. One story I will say I continually try to drop is this story that I am, in fact, in control of absolutely everything that happens to me and everyone in my orbit. I think that there have been enough times I've been able to control enough things that like, I kind of keep that story going. But it really, like, I think it's it's in progress. I'll put it that way, working towards putting that story down. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that comes up with stories is you have these stories maybe that like keep you keep revisiting and keep <laughs> trying to like put down, you know, familiar stories. But then I think also this is a fantastic interpersonal tool when there's been some sort of rupture or maybe like a disconnect and we're telling ourselves stories, right? So even to oh, go yeah. to another person and say, Hey, Ray, I'm telling myself this story that like when X, Y, and Z happened between us, like you were thinking this, or this is what you thought of me. Mm-hmm. Like, I just wanted to check that out with you. I love that. I think I heard Brene Brown kind of talking about that, mm-hmm. that she does that with her husband. Like the story I'm telling myself right now is, and I'll say we do that a lot right now I mean, my, or right now in general, my husband and I will do that a lot of like, okay, I saw you do this. And the story I'm telling myself is that da, 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 da. And the amount of times that I'm wrong, I mean, it's astronomical. It's like most of the time because it's usually pretty negative and self-critical. And then to be able to check that out with people that you trust and love and have them say, um, no, I was just tired or I didn't even notice that you were blah, 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 right. blah, blah. But I think over time, it can kind of help to like nurture that like acceptance piece that, hey, I now know I'm super critical. And the story I tell myself is usually really critical. And maybe I can kind of pay attention to these less critical possible stories as well. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so common. I mean, all of us are going to have hurt feelings. We're going to take things personally from time to time. And I think it's just when the moment that happens, we a lot of times will instead of just kind of sitting with like that hurt and talking with the mm-hmm. other individual, a lot of times we will maybe sort of distance ourselves or put up a guard in some kind of way and start layering on stories about the experience. And when we do that, like the moment that we do that, we actually lose touch with kind of the reality of the situation, right? And the present moment in particular. So what you both were saying, like, go back and and talk with the individual and say, here from my experience, you know, this is what I was experiencing when you said XYZ, whatever, but you know, what was going on for you? What was going on for you? It helps us take ownership 
of our right. experiences and, and like the whole thread of this book, it's a much more powerful place to be, to come mm-hmm. from that. Jamie, the other thing you're alluding to is the benefit of dropping stories, right? Often when stories come up, we try to tangle with them. Yeah. yeah. We try to like think about them and fight them and come up with the answer. And then we play this version and that version and we can get lost in them. It's so distracting. Mm-hmm. It is. And so this power of like dropping them. And, and as you were saying, coming back to that, often it's the emotion or like the feeling in my body. And like, here's the what's so of it. And how do I like sit with that with compassion without all the stories that I layer on top? Right, because rarely are the stories present oriented. These are usually things that are coming from our past or things that like hurdle us into the future. It's, it usually takes us right out of that present moment. I do. I, I feel mm-hmm. like the energy behind most stories is this belief that I can't actually deal with what's so. And so I need to control what's going to come in the future. I mean, like that, that sitting with what's so is actually like totally an impossibility. And when we confront that and like not and don't avoid that, it's almost like all the stories can kind of fall away because the motivation, the energy behind them kind of just fades. Yeah. Yeah. So the last little piece that I wanted to touch on that I thought was important was he references embodied fear. And one of the places in which stories show up a lot of times is is around the experience of fear. And I think we've talked about this a little bit when we did the podcast on anxiety. But, you know, we all have nervous systems and our nervous system's job is to detect threats in the environment. But the problem with our nervous system, I mean, while we need it, we need that fight, flight, freeze system, it doesn't really care about being accurate. <laughs> so <laughs> our, our nervous system is great, but it's not really accurate. Um, it's a real lot of primitive, times, right? This like evolutionarily is <laughs> yeah. like wired like millennia yes. ago. Yes. And so it just wants to protect us. So we can have a lot of similar reactions to things when we're faced with an actual threat and things that are maybe objectively okay. So for example, if you're being faced with a rabid dog, yeah, my nervous system would be going to town and that's appropriate versus having to go to a social function. It's a little bit different, but it might feel the same, you know, for some, for some individuals. And so maybe it depends on the function. (laughs) True. True. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thinking back to the art of gathering, one of those like white dress parties would like, yeah, Yeah. it makes my armpit sweat. Um, So yeah. So when like that, when that happens, you know, we have some referencing like a whole host of physiological reactions, sensations that it can occur really automatically. And so when that happens, it's really important to say, hey, I need to take a pause. What's actually happening? What's the actual threat? Is this really so scary? And what is so scary about it? The key to managing that, and he uses the phrase root down into reality, we need to root down into reality and remind ourselves the present is right here, wherever our feet are. That's reality, not all up in our head. So we're either in storyland in our minds or we're right here where our feet are in the present. So what are the most helpful things for the two of you to stay grounded in your body? So I'm a person that I deal with panic a lot. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I mean, and I feel panic in my body, I mean, I get sweaty, my stomach gets upset, I get tense. Like, and one thing that's like my first little step is just to name that panic. I'm in panic. And then I kind of go into some grounding things. A lot of times it'll just be like, my name is Avery Honig. And I'm sitting here in this office and I can feel that. And then I can kind of start to focus on that, like what I see, what I feel, what's happening right now. But for me, that kind of self-knowledge of like, oh, I know what this is. Because also what panic means for me is it can't last forever. I mean, Mm -hmm. you cannot be in panic 
for really much longer than a few minutes. I mean, your, your body just can't sustain it. And so it's like, ooh, this is going to be over soon. Mm-hmm. And I can just kind of stay here and get grounded. But that's really helpful. It's like name it first and then, ooh, what can I focus on in my environment to let me know I'm right here? Mm-hmm. So I, I think stillness is really important for me, right? So when I'm busy and going and going, I tend to be more disconnected mm-hmm. from myself. Mm-hmm. And so how do I allow that time and space to be still? And then sometimes having like a chatty mind like I have, it's like, how do I actually like ground in my body? And so I find like a lacrosse ball, right? And like rubbing it on my feet or my legs or like self massage mm-hmm. from that standpoint, like that helps get you in your body, like stretching, asana postures, meditation, those sorts of things can be good to get present. Dropping in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, I think for me, like I've probably over these past few months, I've done more times like putting hand on my like heart yeah. center yeah. and then on my belly more than I ever have probably mm-hmm. in my entire life. And just really tuning in to kind of the weight and the warmth of my hands is a very comforting putting me right here in the present and helps me remember, okay, all I have to do right now is breathe. And that is very helpful and grounding for me in the moment. Uh, A good deep breath. I mean, it can really do a lot. Uh, Yeah. 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 Anything from this chapter as we're encouraging people to sort of disrobe, um, <laughs> their, <laughs> disrobe, their, get, ready. disrobe get, uh-huh. get, get rid of these, these stories, anything for them to, that you think would be helpful for them to try at home? for me, the first thing that comes to mind is, can you start naming your stories as stories? Like, can mm-hmm. we, sometimes I picture it like a story catcher, like a dream catcher, mm-hmm. right? I like to use that analogy or that image, imagery. And so how do we just imagine the stories coming through our story catcher mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, catching them? Love that. I think for me, I'm a super verbose person. And so one way for me to kind of embrace what is, is like, how could I say this in as few words as possible? And that really helps to clear the stories for me. Like in three or four words, can I say what's happening right now? Mm. I'm late to pick up my daughter. Okay. Not all the, and then when I get really verbose, that's usually the story. I like that. So that helps me to contain a bit. Yeah. That's a great tip. And I would say a lot of what Baron is recommending in this chapter, and I completely agree with, and I think is a great tip to try at home is start to ask yourself questions again, Mm. like what's really happening right here, right Mm. now. And being curious about that, whereas stories, assumptions, there's not much curiosity around those. So I think that will do it for today. What are we doing next week? We're going to have wrap up last pearls. Yeah. Last few pearls of wisdom about being a power. Awesome. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening. We look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Subscribe to Inspiration from the Couch wherever you access your podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. Visit us on our website at inspirationfromthecouch.com. Music